0: This is episode 15 of the Eco Warriors podcast featuring Cassia Patel from Oceanic Global.
1: You're listening to the Eco Warriors podcast featuring inspiring stories from women in green business, sustainability, and conservation. Here's your host, Barbara Lee.
0: warriors, you probably hate single-use plastic as much as I do. I can't help but cringe every time I find the plastic straw in my drink or someone gives me to-go utensils. I've got my own things. What if we could figure out a way to incentivize businesses not to use any single-use products? More than just creating legal bans, we'd create a way to positively reward businesses for doing the right thing. This is the idea with Oceanic Global's Blue Standard program. We were so excited to chat with Kasia Patel, program director at Oceanic Global. Their organization helps to run programs and bring awareness to the global ocean pollution problem and provide solutions for individuals and businesses to address them. Kasia has a background in marine biology and oceanic research, so I was really excited to speak with her and hear her take on what it would be like if we truly became a fully sustainable planet. Let's splash in. Hey, Kasia, welcome to the EcoWars podcast.
1: Hi, Barbara. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here.
0: Can you tell our listeners who you are and what it is that you do?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Cassia. I'm the director of programs at Oceanic Global, which is an ocean conservation nonprofit really focused on inspiring us all to care deeply about our ocean and to offer us solutions to take action to protect our ocean, too. So we really work at multiple levels, whether it's grassroots action, industry action, policy action, and as well as tapping into that educational awareness, falling in love with the ocean and and that desire to, to take action as well.
0: Okay, can you explain that a bit in more concrete terms for folks who are listening? Like, what does this mean in terms of the actual work that your organization is doing?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So as an ocean conservation nonprofit, we're less focused on the underwater research aspect, uh, which is incredible. And many of our partners are focused on that component. We're really focused on behavior change. And so... Again, if that's happening at multiple levels, what can we do in our own lives? How can our community step up and, and reform and reshape what it means to, to live in community? And how can we as a business or an industry as a sector, whether that's tourism, hospitality, music, sports, office spaces, other forms of industries there too. How can industries step up to be pioneers of change by shifting their behavior? And then this goes hand in hand with with policy reform. So a lot of our work in the past has focused on tackling single-use plastics. And so we've been seeing more and more bans on single-use plastics, highlighting specific items or types of plastics, popping up around the world. And so in conjunction with that policy, just making sure people are educated aware know how to respond so that it's it's really impactful but that's what our work mostly looks like
0: you know someone earlier this season said something controversial to me which is that replacing single-use plastic with single-use paper is actually not a really good solution and in some cases it's more energy intensive and yes ideally everyone would just have their reusable bags and take them to the grocery store every time and reject straws at restaurants but can you tell us a little bit more about what what a real solution look like
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a really good call out because what we do see quite often and and the way that we approach this work too is is in looking at eliminating single-use plastics and improving waste management infrastructure going hand in hand. And we absolutely, as you've just outlined, highlight reusables as best practice in in doing that work and and really, you know, reducing waste of all kinds because replacing one single-use item with another may alleviate Some impacts, you know, paper is recyclable, it's compostable in some cases, whereas plastic, it's less likely to be recovered in that way and and more likely to be a long lasting pollutant and environmental and, and human health harm. That said, paper will still require resources. And so actually we're releasing a resource very soon about recycling. So it's a longer recycling guide, but we go in in depth into different materials and the full life cycle cost of those materials. And so if we're switching our enormous plastic consumption footprint over to paper, where we already have a large consumption footprint, then we'll be putting stress and pressure on areas that are suffering deforestation communities that are losing their land. You know, there's there's a lot of human rights and public health injustices that are taking place within that industry, in addition to the environmental costs of deforestation and not only that, but the packaging, transportation, processing of the wood and lumber there into paper, including threats to human health in some of those facilities, in, in pulp uh, facilities, depending on the regulations. So keeping all of that in mind, and the same can apply to to almost every material. Aluminum has as many of the same, and in fact, more severe impacts on communities and, and the environment too. So thinking from single use to single use is not going to be the solution if we take a more holistic approach. So certainly thinking about reduction as that first step. And then that's really where the behavior change comes into this because we may have to go beyond our comfort zone. We may have to re-envision the way that we live, work, and play um, so that we're able to, to find those true solutions rather than just thinking in a more linear, direct, immediate fashion as well, which I think, yeah, truthfully, perhaps maybe this is the way that we have approached finding sustainable solutions in the past. So I hope that was helpful. <laughs>
0: Yes. And kind of like just touching on that a little bit as well, like what type of companies are you working with?
1: Yeah. So we have a program in terms of our engagement with industry and businesses called the Blue Standard. And so this is a sustainability verification program so we can recognize businesses with our blue seals, as we call them. For business operations, this relates to hospitality, businesses, hotels, restaurants. That's really where the program originated. Uh, We also do work with events. We work with the music industry on tours, concerts, festivals. We also work with the sports industry. So this could be stadiums or larger scale sporting events. We do also then work with office spaces. So that would all funnel under the business operations lens. And so those businesses can earn one, two, or three stars in our system for the amount of single-use plastic they're able to eliminate, as well as the number of blue actions they're able to take. So we rebranded and launched this program in October uh, of last year, uh, 2021. And so we added this blue action layer to really highlight going beyond just tackling plastic, thinking of that as a gateway and a starting point, but really going beyond that to also consider these other waste management aspects, um, composting, recycling, but as well going beyond that to think about where we're sourcing food. Is it responsible seafood? Are we sourcing local plant-based food? Where are the cleaning products coming from? Are they non-toxic as well? so thinking a bit more comprehensively about operations there and then that that's a bit of a choose your own adventure for the business too so so they can select the action that makes sense for them to embark on and and then that has that tiered rating and then we do also have a new component of the program that is geared towards the consumer goods industry so this is our product and packaging seal and so this is to recognize businesses that are manufacturing products that themselves are plastic free or also The higher level seal is the product seal, which means that the product itself and its packaging are both plastic free. The packaging seal relates just to the packaging. And with this, we are really specifically focusing on um, eliminating plastics and packaging because it is such a massive polluter and and challenge that that we're working to overcome. But with that as well, there's definitely nuance in finding solutions that are reusable and that are truly being reused if we're talking about reusing shipping containers or smaller scale containers and, and delivery systems there too. It's really exciting to see a lot of the innovation there as well. And, and the ideas people are coming up with um, to put some of those, those opportunities online for consumer goods. But our, our focus with that program is to tackle the plastics and packaging.
0: Yes, absolutely. And can you tell us a little bit more about who are some of these partners that you're working with?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So one of our longtime partners, perhaps I'll start on the, the business operations side, is Sandals Resorts International. So we've been working with all of their properties uh, across seven different Caribbean islands to, to fully eliminate single-use plastics. They're well along that journey. And of course, what, one of the major challenges that they've had to to face just being across seven different islands and different countries that have varying waste management infrastructure and policy is to, to really overcome that with internal staff training and so they've really stepped up and and focused quite heavily on waste management training for all staff on site and really thinking about how that needs to to play out given the alternatives that are that are coming out and and truthfully in large part they've just shifted towards and actually have always been using reusable dishware, cutlery, and shifting towards that, that direction as well for amenities, which has been really exciting. Also shifting towards and installing very soon on-site water filtration systems with reusable water bottles for guests and really going quite far beyond the expectations there for a hotel. So that's been really exciting to see. Another longtime partner too is the Mandarin Oriental in Bangkok. And also I did have to face some challenges there with available alternatives, waste management infrastructure, just where the the community is, is still innovating around finding these alternatives too. But they're a living example of how this can be possible anywhere on earth and how you can really rally with a strong and dedicated team. And so I think one of my favorite examples is that actually for even the vendors that are delivering produce on site, they refuse to accept the plastic packaging. And this is something that the vendors are then time and again needing to find a way to to dispose of responsibly on their end. And so this has actually resulted in vendors shifting away from using plastic packaging and using either reusables or minimizing, reducing, eliminating packaging where, where possible. And so they're actually able to then be engaging their broader community and system of vendors and partners. And we do see this quite often with the businesses we work with, that it, it's this ripple effect of behavior change. And that's actually why we chose our logo for the blue standard to be a ripple symbol because uh, of the way that one business taking a stand and taking action can actually inspire other businesses in their direct ecosystem as well as in their sector who perhaps they're competitive with or in the same region with or even in the same sector to then step up and take similar actions and It's been really wonderful to see that. Um, One of our other large partners who we're really seeing this with is Corona USA, uh, the beer brand underneath Constellation Brands. And so we're working with them on their Protect Our Beaches campaign, a part of which is to eliminate one million pounds of plastic over a five-year period, which ends in 2025. And we've been working with their different teams from merchandise to trade marketing, to experiential events, who are all engaging with different agencies. So as we're putting in these requests to shift from single-use plastic items that are traditionally and expected to be used and shifting to these newer alternatives or or even thinking through, is this product necessary? Can we shift to this? Where can we reduce? It's really engaging their broader agencies and the excitement and the interest from the entire team and individuals who are reaching out and who just want to be involved, getting their hands dirty in some way and participate in a beach cleanup or other, it's been really amazing to see how that's continuing to grow. And throughout this, to also see how other companies we're starting to work with are finding it easier and easier to find these alternatives because of the groundwork that has already been laid.
0: Amazing. Kind of shifting the conversation a little bit, some of the things that you're saying is really intuitive, like getting rid of single-use plastic. And some of this is a little bit towards this idea of becoming a fully sustainable planet. And I feel like there's a step in between that we're missing. So what is the jump that we need to make from what is ideal to what we are doing today? Like what needs to happen next?
1: Yeah, I think one consistent theme that we've seen in our work and and, in multiple facets of that work too is, is just really focusing on creating these local systems, but in particular communities. And so really bringing back and nurturing, again, what it means to be a community. And so for, I know this can sound quite esoteric, but just thinking through, I know that the conversation around sustainability is shifting towards regenerative thoughts and ideas and and practices, which is really exciting, particularly within agriculture, thinking about regenerative practices there, thinking about regenerative ocean agriculture as well. How do we go beyond just sustaining the level that we're at, which is currently putting us on track to, to continue to create damage and destruction, and how do we actually regenerate, bring life back into what we're doing? And so as a company or as a business, for in a similar way, rather than just offsetting or minimizing impact, how do we actually, as a company or as a business, create value and, and to bring that value back and to restore what's around us. And it seems to me and from our work that a common theme has been to focus on more localized ecosystems. So whether that's just sourcing more local, supporting local economies, I think this is something that has been that has been catalyzed during COVID, just be out of necessity, which is which has been really wonderful um, in some ways versus others. And we're seeing this actually quite a lot in the US when we're thinking about supply chains because of the inability and and difficulty of sourcing material abroad, which relates to the paper industry quite heavily, which relates to compostable paper products as well. A lot of domestic production. There's been a lot of investment in, in domestic production that hadn't been there before. Similarly with waste management. So we're currently we don't have, speaking again to the US, we don't have the recycling infrastructure needed to me- keep up with the demand of materials that we're producing and, and discarding here in this country. So we've been exporting our waste previously to China, now to other countries that do not have the capacity to handle it. And so we're, we're seeing the need ever more to, to focus on creating that and again, focus more locally on being more self sustaining and, and regenerative there. But going beyond thinking just about plastic and consumption and waste, our concept with true sustainability. And the reason I bring up communities is because the more we dive into this work, the more we see that if we can heal our relationship with each other and within the way that we can relate to each other, we can fundamentally heal this relationship that we have to our planet at large and broadly, more broadly to our blue planet as well, of course, as we think of this from an ocean perspective, but coming at this in a more reciprocal fashion. So how do we give gratitude and, and how do we be mindful uh, of what we're taking at the same time. So this is really where behavior change comes in as well, because it's that shift in mindset, that shift in practice, that shift in expectation of how we can behave and how, and how we, we can, you know, teach the next generation to step up into that mantle as well.
0: Yeah. You know, this is something that I hear over and over again, which is that we need to push some of these solutions at a more localized level. I mean, really the global climate change problem we have is not because of one thing that keeps happening everywhere. There are different problems happening in each unique location that make up this larger climate change problem. Yeah. So Cassie, where did you come into this project and where does your passion for the environment come from?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So so I know you mentioned earlier too that you're from an island. I actually grew up in Hong Kong. So similarly, grew up on an island and could see quite immediately the impacts of our, our choices. I wasn't able to go outside for recess when the air pollution index was above 100, which was often. So I watched my friends play outside. Well, I couldn't go outside. Um, you know, it was very, the plastic pollution issue is very evident. Swimming in the ocean, there's actually a native species of pink dolphin, the Chinese White River dolphin, that was severely endangered when, when I was a kid, but is even more so now. And so kind of watching those populations dwindle was really painful as well. So it was just very visible to see how we were having an impact on the environment and how it looked very different at that time, in particular in other places like Bali, etc., where you could see a more thriving ecosystem um, that was healthy. So there was an example of what, what healthy could look like. So that sparked me on an ocean path quite quite early on. Um, and uh, my background in studies is more in biology, environmental engineering, so coming more from academic perspective. And I was getting frustrated in our ability to identify the problem and to name the problem, and yet our lack of ability to organize and mobilize around the solution and even to call it out. And I know earlier, before we started the session today too, we were talking a bit about the need to, to transition into visualizing that ideal state and that ideal future. If we can't describe what that looks like, if we can't describe this ideal community where food is grown within, let's say, a 200 mile radius that you're then able to, to recirculate in, back into compost that's healing the soil and sequestering carbon, and if we can't visualize what that looks like in the future and we can only try to avoid dystopias that we are incredible and creative at visualizing, whether in popular movies, TVs, books, then we will face an issue because we do need to to be able to visualize and see optimistically what that looks like for us to create that ideal sustainable harmonious society as well. And that was frustrated coming from from science and, and engineering, where you could see some of these solutions, but also. The lack of connectivity between that understanding and policy and what industry leaders were doing and what communities were recognizing and aware of. And so um, I was drawn to Oceanic Global because I saw them really connecting the dots and, and also doing this through mediums like art, fashion, music, technology that were really more universal languages for people to find accessible and tap into and just celebrating that all of us have a role in this movement. Whether we chose it or not, we are a part of this living earth system and society, and, and we have a role to play in that. And, and we're invited into this welcoming movement and space as well.
0: I always love to tie this back to listeners at home and what it is that they can do. So what is your suggestion for individuals who want to help make an impact?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think there's def- there's so much that we can do as individuals and as ourselves. And, and also this problem is not created... Purely by what we as individuals are doing, to your point earlier as well. So one thing that people can do to support via the blue standard and to really put that pressure and accountability on businesses, on companies that have a much larger stake in this this movement and issue is to nominate a business to go blue, whether that's your office space, whether that's a school, your favorite restaurant, bar, hotel your favorite artist as well. There, There's so many different ways um, that we can work with businesses there and that we can encourage businesses to step up as leaders in their own sectors, in their own movement. So that would be one thing. BlueStandard.com has more information about the program itself and there's tools to, to be able to share. So to nominate a business to go blue and to recognize that the burden and the pressure is not just on individuals, it's also on industries to, to step up. The other thing, we always like to recommend people to do is to to be active participants and to to go out and vote, reach out to your representatives, let them know what you care about, what issues you care about, as they do represent your interests, your needs um, and your demands there as well. So whichever way you, you'd like to, but to definitely use your voice to go out and vote and to be a part of the society in an active way, because that's currently one of the major tools we have to create change at a larger scale. So those would be the two things was to put more pressure on industry and on governments to be taking this action that we need to see at scale. And then yourself as an individual, you can certainly role model best practice and behavior in your community and be quite impressed and inspired by by how far that ripple can go as well.
0: Kasia, thank you so much for taking time for this conversation today.
1: Thank you, Barbara. I appreciate it.
0: We've covered a lot this season, from lab-grown meat to measuring the carbon captured in soil. All of these solutions help bring a sense of hope to what is otherwise usually painted as a bit doom and gloom, and I hope that it's you with the idea that achieving a fully sustainable future is really possible. Next week, we'll be bringing you the last episode of Season 4, which will bring us full circle back to Season 1. We hope that you'll tune in and also that you'll follow along on Instagram, as we'll be releasing details soon for our end-of-season giveaway. Stay green, eco-warriors! <laughs>
1: The Eco Warriors podcast is produced and hosted by Barbara Lee. Research assistance by Belinda Chu. Thanks for listening. For more inspiration, follow us on Instagram at Eco Warriors Podcast.